Hey Claire, want to talk about sexy books today? Yeah, I do, Blythe. Awesome. <laughs> when you need a sexy escape from a world that's gone insane, erotic fiction with romantic diction, we've got some wrecks if you care to listen. We all have an inch to scratch between our mind and thighs. So let's talk dirty on the sexy books. Thanks for validating my clap skills. <laughs> um, well, I feel comfortable, or if you want, I feel like I want to disclose that this is the second time we're recording this, yeah. which hopefully will make it better. I think it probably will, because usually when I do something a second time, it's better. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Um, just in case we like, I don't know, say that we said this before or something, it just feels yeah. more normal to acknowledge it. But yeah. um, maybe we'll go deeper than we did before. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and maybe we'll be more succinct and have our thoughts more clear and our vocabulary great. I mean, who knows? Who knows? I will say, and I'll say this well. I guess we're already talking to the audience. But I guess so. <laughs> I was having technology issues altogether this weekend. My fridge also broke because you know how technology, they talk to each other and they align on when they're going to break down. Yeah. But I'm wearing this cool obsidian necklace for protection against technology breaking. So nice. we should be fine. <laughs> Well, perfect. I feel protected personally. <laughs> awesome. Well, and also this is a fun book, so I, you know, feel I don't mind talking, talking about, it, about again. it twice. I feel like we were both so fucking enthusiastic the first time around. Yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> Me too. All right. So the book then is All the or book Nothing. Is, yes, All or Nothing uh, by Rose. Sorry, I'm just talking over you. <laughs> you go <no>. ahead. <laughs> it's All or Nothing by Rose Lerner. And do you want to give the description? Sure. This is off of Goodreads. Simon Radcliffe Gould's career as an architect is stalled and his bank account is almost empty. Yet every week he finds himself losing money he can't afford at Maggie Da Silva's Bohemian Gambling Den, just so he'll have an excuse to see the beautiful, irrepressible hostess. Maggie thought she had her life sorted out. She has a best friend with benefits, a successful business, and a truly spectacular wardrobe. But lately she's been bored. Intrigued by serious, shy Simon, she finds a way to draw him into reluctantly betting on her favors at the pharaoh table. A few glorious nights are all she expects, but when an old flame hires Simon to design a folly during a scandalous house party at his country estate, Simon asks Maggie to pose as his mistress so he can actually get some work done. Sure, she'd rather be his mistress, but she jumps at the chance for a well-deserved, all-expenses-paid vacation. What could go wrong? Turns out everything. Simon has unresolved issues with his ex, it's impossible to keep kosher, and worst of all, Maggie is in danger of losing her heart. 
I'm like constant. This isn't a criticism, but I'm constantly astounded at how long the descriptions of romance novels are. <laughs> That's true, especially since it always feels like the plot is pretty secondary. I know, <laughs> but I do feel like it's part of a thing with romance is like the want to be comforted and like knowing exactly what's coming is very comforting. <laughs> I, f- I do feel that way. People are, I feel like it's very common and for good reason, but it's really common for people to be like, oh, I don't want to tell you because I'll spoil it. And I'm like, I know the term is spoilers, but I will not feel like it's spoiled, you know? Like I, I am always happy to know what the plot is, especially if it's too mysterious because <laughs> it is more comforting and I, do, I just have less anxiety. And if the the art form, the movie, or the book is good, then it shouldn't really matter that I know what's going to happen because I should still enjoy the ride. I totally agree. I mean, I do like like a mystery once in a while, but like I think for the majority of things, and especially with romance, like if it's good, the tale is probably old as time, like the archetype, you know, but if it's done well, then that's, it's the journey, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. People ask me about this podcast, if they should have read the books before they listen to the podcast. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't think it's necessary at all. It's not like we're telling you the like really good sex scenes explicitly. So either way (laughs) you get to enjoy those. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know that they're coming. So yeah. And I feel like I would be really if it wasn't going to end happily then I would really want to reveal that because I yeah like I personally would want to know if there was any sad endings which I haven't come across yet I haven't I mean we haven't read any but I've seen a few that like do warn about a sad ending oh good but that's good (laughs) that they warn about it because the the general genre is to have a happy ending every time I think to not have a happy ending is like a very big deal honestly from what I've gathered (laughs) yeah it would be for me (laughs) and speaking of the genre this is a great this is our first period book this book takes place in 1819 and even though the romance genre is kind of famous for the bodice ripping. Mm-hmm. We have not read a single bodice ripper so far. Exactly. So this is our first one. And I think it's a great inaugural bodice I ripper. Think it's wonderful because honestly, my, I think like Miss, well, maybe it's not, I've only read this one book, so I don't know, but <laughs> my perception of those novels is kind of like, probably wrong, honestly, but I just think of like, like Emma, like, or Jane Austen, yeah. those kinds of books, you know, and like, no offense to those books, but they're too slow and not sexy enough for me. <laughs> but this book was very sexy. Yes, I agree. I also feel like my assumption would be that it's like packed with innuendo and not like clear cut about what's happening. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I mean, certainly all romance has innuendo because 
nobody wants to hear the exact same <laughs> vocabulary, but this certainly is not like, this is very explicit, very detailed and delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's not like super straightforward. It's not like a hetero lady meets a hetero dude and then there's some whatever no, and then they get the together. the other thing is I was really surprised at like how sort of progressive it seems, which I mean... Obviously, it's not like this was actually written by people in the Regency time period. So, like, the authors are free to do what they want. But it's awesome, I think. <laughs> totally. And you're so right. But I I feel like the instinct that I would have, potentially, if I hadn't read this and was just going to go to town writing a book like this, is to make it more dramatic that people are like monogamish or mm-hmm. um, bisexual, like I would have made it more a big deal in the book. And I really love that this book does not overly dwell on those elements. It touches on them, but it doesn't, it, it, it's not the, the most dramatic part of the book at all. For sure. And it's like, yes, they may be, wouldn't like these characters wouldn't necessarily be accepted in polite society like doing all the things they're doing but like yeah it's totally accepted that you can like go to an estate party and do these things yeah (laughs) I mean I don't know how acceptable it actually is but it's acceptable enough that they do it and they can do it in the world of this book it seems not particularly shocking but I think it also comes from like Magdalena de Silva who mm-hmm. is she awesome. is like the partner of uh, like she and her partner run this kind of like gambling den and that's their their business and um sorry no. <laughs> <laughs> they run this gambling den and so you can imagine that there's like some unsavoriness or not unsavoriness but some more scandal because gambling by itself is a little scandalous but it's a really fun intro because uh simon radcliffe gould comes into the den as he often does as he often does (laughs) even though he is not very wealthy and is just garbage at gambling altogether Mm -hmm. and playing the games but he um he is like obsessed with Magdalena and he's very upset with her partner because her partner keeps gambling Magdalena herself. Uh-huh. And to make matters worse, <laughs> he almost always he always loses whenever he's gambling Magdalena, which Simon Yeah, he's like feels... a great gambler except mysteriously when he's gambling exactly. his friend with benefits. Exactly, exactly. Um, And Simon is very upset on behalf of Magdalena. Mm -hmm. So he offers to, or he decides to to gamble so that Magdalena doesn't have to go with someone he thinks she really wouldn't like. And so, uh, and he wins. Well, first of all, though, I just think it's notable that he is such a bad gambler that... um, Maggie, her, the other, the guy she runs the gambling den with, his name is Henny. He has to specifically play Pharaoh, which is like a game of chance because they can like rig that game, but he can't, 
his pride can't handle losing to Simon because he's such a bad gambler. <laughs> exactly. That's so funny. But that's the point is that you learn on the side oh, that yeah. obviously <laughs> this is an arrangement and that she freaking loves being gambled away. And she yeah. specifically has like a fetish for being ill-used and mm-hmm. humiliated. And so she likes this arrangement because... Um, she gets it to pick kind the of guy. Primes, she, yep, she picks the guy, and it kind of primes them to feel like she's their property for mm-hmm. a day. I love that part. She's like, it puts yeah. them in the mood to like bully me a little bit. <laughs> yes. So she loves it, and that feels like such a great relationship that they like mm-hmm. get to do that and it is great it's a great arrangement for both of them and they work really well as as a team in this regard um but anyway simon's a fool about it so he doesn't <laughs> realize that she just wants to fuck him so um he tells her after he wins penny her partner actually has to go out of town because his dad died Mm -hmm. and so she is really excited especially that simon bets on her because she wants to stay with someone else because it's like dangerous for her to stay alone she doesn't want to like yeah because he's going to be gone for like a couple of weeks and she doesn't want to be a woman just alone by herself exactly so so after simon wins then he's like you are not obliged to anything and i just wanted you to have like be free to like not be plowed by men all the time and have your body sold and she's like what the fuck i thought that we were gonna bang and now i'm not even gonna be safe and i'm gonna have to like find somewhere to go she's like now I don't even have a place to stay. Like, I'm going to have to sleep on my mother's floor. <laughs> yeah. So then he's like, oh, he, you know, realizes his mistake. But he's still, like, not interested in actually having sex with her, which is made more clear later because she, like, knows he likes her because he, like, keeps getting boners around her. <laughs> Just constantly. Yeah. Like, when he wins her after the Pharaoh game, he, like, doesn't want to stand up because he has a boner, yeah. and, like, she definitely sees it yeah. and loves it. Yeah, and she's so and excited. he's, like, horrified. I can really feel for Magdalena in this, where you, like, really feel like someone's hot for you, and you're like, ooh, what's gonna happen? Just and then do it. it. Oh, no. <laughs> that would be so disappointing. But anyway, he does agree to take her with him to this, like, scandalous estate party. Basically because he wants her to, like, be his buffer because he doesn't want... He's, like, done with his scandalous sexy days. He, like, feels weird about them now for some reason. And, like, he just wants somebody that he can, like, go off with and, like, they can pretend that they're having sex, but they won't. (laughs) Right, which is not ideal for Magdalena, but she's like, well... At least she gets I mean, a bed. We still have a place. Yeah. <laughs> and they talk about it, and she's like, can I fuck the other guests? And he's yeah. like, sure, I guess. <laughs> he's like, kind of, he's like, ugh. like, he seems kind of annoyed about it, but he's like, well, yeah, of course. Which I think is yeah. nice, you know. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, if he's not going to do it anyway, like, who cares if he's a little annoyed, if it's not like, going to harm the arrangement oh for sure i mean it's all just his like personal shit getting in the way she should definitely do whatever she wants but exactly (laughs) and she does and that's such a cool part about 
Magdalena's character is that she just like knows what she wants and she pursues it and and she's and she very knows... relaxed like about it most of the time yeah and I think the parts that she like she, certainly sexually she knows exactly what she wants and she knows exactly how to pursue it she knows exactly how to set boundaries and that's a big part of what they talk about and what she kind of teaches Simon is about setting boundaries and and um it's great she like teaches him how to set boundaries just in his regular life and then it translates wonderfully to the bedroom yeah yeah and that so that's what they also talk about because when you have a kink like wanting to be humiliated like she's very clear like I want to be humiliated. I love being ill-used, but only in the bedroom. And Mm -hmm. that line has to be very clear. And she's really good at drawing that line. And she's, she teaches him how to say no. And she teaches him how to understand that line and understand that like, there is a difference between wanting to play act at humiliation and like Mm -hmm. get off on that fetish and like really wanting to harm someone, which ends up being really Simon's main conflict is that he yeah like that ends up being which made a lot of sense to me because it didn't make a like total sense to me at the beginning I was like dude just what the fuck just do it what's the problem like what's the harm but he like really thinks that wanting to like be dominant in bed means that he actually has like angry feelings towards the people he cares about and that like scares him yeah which I'm sure tons of people go through. I I'm know sure. it. In fact. It's like, That's... yeah, well, like fantasies of control and like domination of, and submission are like, I think the second most common fantasy today or something like that. So mm-hmm. like, it's so incredibly common, but nobody talks about it very much at all. Yeah. And I like am positive so many people feel guilty and like they're fucked up for it (laughs) yeah I mean if there's one clear truth in this world and humanity it's that atrocious things happen when you uh stifle your own sexuality Mm -hmm. it comes out and it comes out in bad other ways so it's important to know what you like and to know that there is this huge chasm between wanting to actually harm someone actually harming someone against their will and that's what maggie says she says like do you actually want to hurt me like or do you just want to like play at hurting me in bed and like bully me around because i want you to do that (laughs) yep exactly actually um this is the part of the book that i was going to read so how about i just uh read this part of the book here so then you can hear her exact words perfect He ran a hand through his hair. You're right. Fumbling around in the dark is the most uncomfortable thing in the world. But I... How can you simply accept that you want people to be cruel to you? Isn't that something to be ashamed of? Isn't it... Isn't it like turning over a rock in your mind and finding a mass of sunless crawling blind things? Her cheeks burned and her gorge rose. She didn't know how to push sick shame like this back, except with anger, and she didn't want to be angry when he was so clearly speaking of himself and not her. I've wondered that myself, she said at last, her voice sounding unnatural and thick to her own ears. He leaned forward. 
I've imagined violating you, he confessed in a low voice, earnest, even apologetic. Oh, God, she was on fire. I wanted to treat Clamont roughly sometimes, too. Shouldn't I be ashamed of wanting to harm someone I love? Love ought to be kind, not cruel. I don't know, she said, ignoring her stab of jealousy at the word love. But here's what I do know. I want to be humiliated and ill-used. Not all the time, only in bed. I can't stop wanting it. So what's the good in worrying about it? I... I tell everyone I'm Jewish. He looked confused. And I am, she insisted at once, but... I didn't know it until I was six years old and we came to England. My mother didn't know it either until a few years before that when her own mother was on her deathbed. My grandmother's family pretended to convert so they wouldn't go to the stake. My grandmother married a Catholic and she married my mother to a Catholic. And then my mother, she was 23, she'd been a good Catholic all her life. She lost her mother and discovered she was Jewish on the same day. When her husband died too, she decided to come to England where she could really be Jewish. I'm so proud of her for that, but she never, she could never quite bring herself to do it. She doesn't go to synagogue. She never learned any prayers or songs. She follows the traditions of fasting on Mondays and Thursdays, and twice a year she has a terrible attack of conscience and spends a week crying and begging me to go to confession with her so we won't burn in a fiery pit for eternity. She fought the urge to insist that she was Jewish. He was a Gentile and he didn't care. He didn't think she was a fraud, and if she said it, it would only show him that she half believed it herself. Do you know how I met Meyer? I was in Duke's palace trying to get up the courage to go to the great synagogue. She hadn't even known that unmarried girls usually only went to the great synagogue on Purim and Simchas Torah. She never heard of those holidays. He thought I was a streetwalker and picked me up. It annoyed her that he was obviously more shocked by that than anything else she'd said. Well, we think it's a charming story. Anyway, I meant that this is something that I know about myself without room for doubt. I like men to humiliate me, and anything you know about yourself for sure is precious. You had to cling to it, be proud of it even, because people would try to take it away from you. He let out a long breath. You really don't think it's different? I, I was ashamed of liking men at first. It took me a long time to accept it, but in the end I could because it was obvious that it did no harm. This, what's the harm? I'm afraid it comes from real anger, real resentment. One shouldn't resent one's friends. One shouldn't be angry at one's friends. She smothered a laugh. <laughs> Who else would one resent and be angry at but the people one spends all one's time with? He blinked. You should try it, she said. Not with me if you don't want to, but with somebody. It's exhilarating. When it's done right, I feel clean and new afterward. Like the light feeling after a good cry as if all the tears and snot were in my head weighing it down. She wished she felt that way now. She wished Meyer were here. Catharsis, he said. She made a face. Isn't that, isn't that what happens when a doctor gives you a purgative? And here I hesitated to mention snot. Well, yes, but in his poetics, Aristotle says of tragedy, he shut his eyes. Pi translates it as, tragedy, then, is an imitation of an important and complete action, possessing a certain degree of magnitude, in ornamented language, having its forms distinct in their respective parts by the representation of persons acting and not by narration, affecting through the means of pity and terror the purgation of such passions. The dry syllables tripped passionately off his tongue, a perfect blend of eager student and distant schoolmaster. Oh, that was charming. The tension in her spine eased. 
but Aristotle's original word was catharsis. Scholars dispute as to its precise meaning, which he doesn't explain in any extant portion of the poetics. Twining renders it correction and refinement, but his essential point is that sometimes playing out dreadful things serves as a kind of medicine to the mind. Imagine my relief that Aristotle agrees with me, she teased. I... Simon, do you really want to treat me cruelly, or do you want to pretend cruelty, to imagine cruelty? Harm me only as much as I wish to be harmed. There is a difference, although it took me some time to sort out myself. She ought, in fairness, to have said people or Clamont, not me, but she wanted him to think about doing it to her. She wanted him to long for it, as she did. He frowned down at the library table, toying with the letter he'd been writing. When he finally looked up, her breath caught. She thought the cruel edge to his beauty was in the clean, delicate English lines of it, like an angel in a painting. But it was more than that. When he was set on something, there was a purity of purpose to him, cold or white-hot or both at once. His gaze was like the keen edge of a knife. I'd endure a week of agony if it would save you a moment of unwished-for pain. He spoke in a low voice, seemingly embarrassed by his own sincerity. I want you to know that. Yeah, it's all just catharsis. It's like watching a sad movie or seeing something horrible happen. It's like good to have a good strong cry. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's fine. <laughs> yeah. But it's so it's so great how clear and good at communicating Magdalena is. Just to backtrack for a moment, this was a book that I read quite a while ago, and I didn't bring it up to you so early on because we, I remember we were like really delving into modern stuff, and I think you weren't as interested at the time in doing period books, and so I was like, I like thought about it, but I I kind of passed over it because we were you know, really getting deep with Serena and all the good stuff. Um, But more recently, I was like, there are just a couple of scenes in this book that became a part of my regular fantasy repertoire. (laughs) And one of those scenes is like, before they have this conversation, um, Magdalena is just like very much suffering from uh, like... Uh, horniness (laughs) well and we should say there's like how many guys at this estate party seven 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 guys guys. they're all bisexual two ladies everybody wants to fuck except simon so like she's going insane (laughs) right and she's like sharing a bed with simon Uh and then they're like going out to swim in the lake in between his hard work of drawing follies oh we didn't talk about what follies are which was very confusing (laughs) for me i was like what is this job i don't understand what this job is it's the greatest job ever where you just sit by a lake and sketch all day and like flirt that's what I gathered. <laughs> exactly. But I guess a folly is like a gothic ruin that you just make for rich people on to their like estate. To like look pretty. Yeah. But as so. Simon says, beauty has its place. Indeed. But he definitely isn't agree. like a hard worker. He spends like 90% of his time staring at Maggie. Yeah. Well, to be fair, he only has to, he has to draw the same thing um, like six times throughout the day so that he can capture all of the lighting oh, schemes yeah. that it will be experiencing. And that's like his job. So 
to be fair. What else do we have to do? (laughs) Yeah. So they're like doing, they're not skinny dipping, but they're doing like something approximating skinny dipping, I guess. And, and they're, they're like in their underclothes. Yeah, exactly. Well, they're just not doing like the party stuff that the other scandalous people are doing, which we can assume is like a lot of fucking, but they're not, they're like kind of to the side about it. Yeah. And then like, she's sleeping next to this guy that she's super horny for. She even has to frig herself. Yes. The terminology I loved. I felt like I was in a rom-com because it was like so sweet. There is some good language though. Um... So she's, like, dying of horniness, and then at some point, maybe they get back from the lake or something happens, but she, she's like, okay, I'm going to go out and, like, maybe play with some guests. Yeah. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and then, like, five minutes later, less than maybe, she sees some guests on the stairs, and she's like, Mr. Radcliffe Gould has no use of me. Do you have any use of me? And then they all boom right on the stairs. Yes. Yes. And it's so good. And then Simon comes upon them and he... They like can't get her dress off and he's like, well, I know how to do it because I saw her dressing this morning. Yeah. So he pulls her boobs out graciously for the guests. Yeah, and then he just, you know, <laughs> feels them up for a few seconds just to, like, get her really hot and bothered. Yeah, and he is so hot bo- hot and bothered, oh, too. Yeah. There's some really good descriptions here I of know. what he wants to happen. Um, I won't even say, but some of the language here is, like, it's uh, great. choice. It's and she's, choice. like, getting fucked at that moment. Yeah. Like, while he's yeah. feeling her up. Yeah. And then she immediately sucks a dick also. And it's just a great time. And then he just like leaves. He like drops her boobs and he walks away and she's just like left. Yeah. Wanting him even more. And then he goes and frigs himself. Uh Uh-huh. And then he writes a letter to his mom about how he wants to marry her. Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. But it's so sweet because like it really could go either way. You could imagine someone being like, so jealous or like mad or whatever about that but instead he's like oh that was so hot I wish this was my woman I know god I fucking love it what better reaction could you ask for I know it's so good Simon is like a complicated person (laughs) indeed so then they like talk about it which is great and that's actually like what happens right before the passage that I read. So they talk about it, and then, like, right afterwards, and this was the scene that I couldn't remember, but, like, then she kind of shows him how to be dominant. Or not that I could I just didn't remember. He says he doesn't know how to be masterful, and will she teach him? And she's like, well, it's not ideal, but I'll do it this one time. (laughs) Exactly. And it definitely was good. And there's a good, like, Conolingus portion of it, but it's also all good. I like a turn it. around and spread them, sort of a yeah time that I like. This is a very so, fun book. I mean, it's much more. There's like a much bigger variety of sexual activities than I think any of the other books we've read. 
Totally. And I feel like the drama is really pretty natural in this book. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of the time there's like some drama that feels a little artificial between, and we've talked about this on this podcast before, Mm -hmm. between like the first time the couple get together and then like later times. But I really felt it in in these ones I guess maybe because of the variety but it just didn't feel like there was like forced drama in between well and I've said this before I think but um this is a novella and that is definitely my current favorite kind of romance because it has like the perfect amount of story and sex like Mm -hmm. it has a good setup and some tension and like will they won't they even though you totally know that they will but, right. like, it gets to the sex nice and quick. <laughs> I completely agree. Novellas are choice for pacing. Um, with just very few exceptions where, I mean, mm-hmm. where if you really want to get into... Claire Cray specifically is coming to mind and his Yes. Talents. I mean, there are definitely romance novels. And even, like, Claire's especially has still so much sex. exactly but it balances really well but yeah yeah totally but yeah so the novella aspect is is perfect um but anyway so there's all of the sex scenes we just named and then and then they're just banging all the time for then they're banging like four times a day yeah and like the real sort of well, one of the issues is that Maggie is Jewish and Simon is not. So that's like they both think it's just there. There's no possibility beyond this two weeks or whatever. It's yeah, like, she really wants to have kids and she wants to raise them Jewish. Mm-hmm. And he is he is not sure that part he doesn't have any problems with, but he's not really like because she wasn't raised Jewish herself she doesn't know she really wants to live a Jewish life but she doesn't quite know all of the things and so she wants to be a part of a Jewish community and so and his family is not Jewish so they a might not accept her anyway and then they won't have any family Mm -hmm. but even if they do they're not going to he's not going to be able to provide any additional Jewish backgrounds. Like he won't be able to really serve that part of her dream. And Henny is Jewish, but I forget why. Oh, she just she doesn't that, like, really they, want to marry him. Yeah. She's like, we're good friends, but like we would be horrible as a couple. Like we would just quarrel over everything. Right. And then we, we learn in the middle of this vacation that Henny was married off while yes he, he did find a wife gone. on his like week and a half yeah to see his father's funeral <laughs> but apparently right. that's normal and she kind of expected it to happen so right it was his mother's doing more yeah but but luckily the wife is chill and he's like you don't even have to move and she's like yeah, yeah but where am I gonna sleep I can't just like sleep with you both I know it is really nice because it's like the most accommodating you could be about your third wheel, but <laughs> totally, <laughs> it's definitely totally. still really awkward <laughs> and like yeah. not really viable for Maggie. Totally. So these are the conflicts that they're going through, even though they both just really want to like actually get married. 
during this vacation, which I will say, (laughs) I feel like when I read romance novels and then they kind of like jump to marriage at the end, I'm like, not super excited about it. Like I want a happy ending, but it feels forced sometimes when like they end in a wedding every time. Yeah. So that's why I really like the college ones, especially, because, like, no one's assuming they're getting married right now, usually. (laughs) But maybe they'll, like, move in together, and you can, like, they're still together two years from now. That's, like, feels more real. For sure. But with this couple, they really do find true compatibility that I think Mm -hmm. is, that makes it much more, I mean, they don't even get married at the end of this Thing. Well, I don't Spoiler. even remember now that we're saying it. What, what, what do they decide at the end? They basically just decide like they're gonna stay together and like revisit the issue of marriage in a year, right? Yeah, I think they decide that it's not impossible. Yeah, well, and she says married. like I can raise my kids with Henny's kids, and like then they will have that Jewish community. I no, that's what I love that so much. I know, me too. I love that There's they so really are like such friends that, yeah, you know, they will continue to be family together. Yeah, and Simon and Magdalena agree that like they're not going to be like one hundred like sexually monogamous. Oh and that yeah, that's not what that monogamy means to them. The other thing was Simon was like. <laughs> He was like, you know, I after a while, I might not be able to keep up with this pace of, like, fucking you four times a day. And, like, you might want the company of other people sometimes. And she's like, oh, thank God you said that, because, yes, definitely I will. <laughs> yes. So it really feels like, yeah, I just really buy them as, like, a really compatible couple. Mm-hmm. I mean... It kind of reminds me, actually, now that I'm thinking of it, of how in, like, Broad City, Alana and Lincoln would, like, revisit their relationship every year and have, like, a State of the Union kind of thing. Yes. That was nice. And they were like, we won't think beyond next year. I mean, till they do, but. (laughs) Right. Which is fair, too. I mean, that's part of it, right? Like, Mm mm-hmm. You keep evaluating and you keep stating your needs and making sure that what you know about yourself holds true and that's all you can do. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of all any of us can do, even if we hope and pretend that that's not the case. I mean, like you and I are both married, but that's still true for everyone, you know? You Mm -hmm. just hope that you continue to be compatible and reevaluate. I mean, for sure. I feel like this book just constantly drives home the point that, like, a relationship is all about communication. And, like, if you want to grow together, you have to be constantly talking about that stuff and, like, figuring out your needs together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Well, we have not talked about the last really fun sex scene where they have a very fun parlor game. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I love the parlor game. That was yes. so fun. I sort of wish that I played parlor games with my <laughs> friends, but I definitely would be too awkward for most of my friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if not all of them, most of them. I think, 
you'd have to get special friends for yeah. these kinds of games. <laughs> yeah, I but do that's have like some the friends, only friends. friends. Yeah, I mean that's the only friends that um, Simon and his his ex who created this whole party is Clementine Clement. Yeah. I don't know Clement. Um, Just sounds snootier. So same yeah. as Gould. It's like it's Gould because he's a snooty person. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and they are, dude. They are really snooty and like annoying. Like they make fun yes. of Maggie all the time for like the kind of food that she can't eat because she's trying yeah. to keep kosher. But yeah. anyway, anyway, the part yeah. of the game. Yeah. Well, no, I think it's good to go into Clement because he's like, he's like a real personality and it kind of helps to get this background on Simon too, because they were together in boarding school, which is another fun. Yeah. I think maybe all of these guys are in boarding school together, Yeah. but that's why they're like gay antics are so accepted. Like Maggie is like, yeah, isn't that like what all what? Englishmen do at boarding school? She's like, there are yeah. no women after all. <laughs> yes and Simon's like yes but not everybody like keeps doing it afterwards which is so titillating yeah. to me as a concept and I really I want a book about read. that exactly yeah exactly That's exactly <laughs> what I want um but it's clear that Clement has like a very commanding uh presence and personality like he just needs all the attention on him but and, he's like, also like so flattering that like you want to be around him and stuff and like get his approval exactly and so everyone is just kind of wanting his attention and there's like definitely a a really jealous vibe at this place yeah even though everyone's fucking each other yeah but like Clement (laughs) is very jealous of Simon having brought somebody and Simon's kind of jealous because Clement has a new like boyfriend I don't know what (laughs) yeah um yeah there's a lot of sexual tension in like every direction (laughs) exactly exactly and he's like purposefully rude like right when maggie and simon arrive he like goes and like immediately kisses simon like i think on the mouth maybe yeah he gives away simon the fact that simon is gay and simon is immediately like what if i hadn't told maggie about that and he was like, well, obviously you did, so it's yeah. fine. <laughs> he's so annoying. He's so bratty. <laughs> yeah. And Simon, like, he's been having these trouble-setting boundaries. So they even, like, go, I don't know how far away it is, but they go to the house where Clement's mom is staying. Yeah. And she's like, let's all ride to the market. And, <laughs> and she Simon wants to like, drive the carriage. Yeah. And she's, like, a terrible driver. And Simon's like terrified to be in the carriage with her and so this is when he first gets to assert his new boundary skills that maggie taught him he does such a good job he does do a really good job i mean i love this so much because it really boundaries is something that a lot of people really need to work on and be validated for and so i think it's really great that this book doesn't just contain it to like sexual boundaries but talks about the importance of boundaries everywhere and that you should that you just really have to be able to when you have a need you have to be able to assert yourself and you have to not care about what other people think about it like you have to Mm -hmm. you can't be like pleasing the other person in any way at that time you just have to say what you're comfortable with or not 
Exactly. It's like very timely because I feel like people are talking about boundaries constantly these days. Yeah. We talk about it all the time at my work. We talk about it. Yeah. It's, and honestly, it, it, I'm not masterful at it at all. <laughs> it's really, really, really hard. Yeah. I like feel like I'm constantly practicing at it and like failing, but I agree. Slowly getting better. <laughs> yeah. So this is a good reminder for us all to be more like Maggie and know what we want and Mm -hmm. know how to be clear about stating our wants and even more importantly, our needs. Yep. Not being afraid to say them. Yeah. And it's really cool because it like very clearly shows you how asserting those boundaries in real life completely like applies and mirrors in the bedroom and like just how friggin' liberating that is and like how many possibilities it opens up for your sex life and just like for you as a person yeah and I I really feel like it's a practice too because like once you've even done it once really successfully and you can really like as with so many experiences, it's like after you know that you won't like die from this experience, yeah. then you have the confidence to know like I can get into hairier situations because I can trust myself to be able to assert those boundaries when I need to. Because if you can't, then you really shouldn't be exploring those areas. Like you really have mm-hmm. to do those in, in this order. Well, and that's like another thing that I feel like we should probably mention is like that again this book is still just a story and like just a fantasy (laughs) and um I think if you are gonna explore this stuff like personally you should definitely be with somebody that you know and trust (laughs) to like help you explore those things safely and comfortably yeah Maggie is very experienced so she knows about boundaries right and she even talks we said this in the first recording we did but um she talks about like the difference like both body language and the difference between saying no but really meaning yes versus Mm -hmm. saying no and really meaning no and how to show that and I felt like kind of complicated about it because I feel like ideally you would just have a safe word so that there was no possibility for confusion no like gray area yeah but but yeah, like, I don't know if safe words were a thing back then. Precisely. <laughs> Precisely. And the spirit but, is still the same of like, you have to... Well, and it, it's very clear, like, it has a scene where Simon, like, says no, but means yes. Yeah. And it, like, pretty clearly shows you how to read that body language and, like, how she pauses to make sure he really wants it mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But... Yeah, still, yeah. like, you need a certain level of trust and, like, experience with people, especially if you're going to... But, like, also, we live in modern times, so just have a safe word. <laughs> exactly. In that case, though, they had literally just talked about it and, like, what they had mm-hmm. wanted. And then he, like, said no, but then he, like, shoved his booty into... Back into her, and she was her. like, oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But if you feel people pulling away and saying no, and they're really pulling away, then... then stop. Stop. Yeah. And if you're not sure, unfortunately, you have... You just gotta ask. Yeah. And, you know, 
it's not the fucking end of the end of the world if you like pierce the fantasy a little bit. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> it's better than if you don't and you make a mistake. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely better than accidentally assaulting someone. Exactly. <laughs> Do I want to get back to the parlor game though? Because Yes. Oh my gosh, please. What's it called again? You remembered it last time too. Like magical um, music. Magic muse yeah. magic music or magical music, yeah. And it's basically hot and cold, but someone plays the piano, and mm-hmm. when the person gets warmer to what they're supposed to be doing, which is like always a sex act. <laughs> basically (laughs) then they like play the piano louder and if they get cooler then they play it softer and so definitely I don't remember all the things that happened but definitely Maggie gets kissed on the pussy which is nice very exciting for her and she has to like sit on someone's lap and And he like rubs his dick all over yeah and she's just terribly scandalized yeah it's so humiliating which is hot (laughs) for her And then Simon is like, all right, I just have to fuck you right now. So he takes her right on the balcony. Yeah. And Simon was playing the piano because he couldn't part like he just couldn't. But good for you, Simon. Yeah. This book is called All or Nothing, which at first felt very basic of a title for me. I was like, how am I even (laughs) going to remember this? But that's really also what he's exploring is that he like doesn't have to do whatever mm-hmm. anybody tells him to do. He can... He, it he doesn't, doesn't have to be, like, weeks-long hedonistic parties mm-hmm. or, like, a completely monogamous, to him, Celibate boring thing. relationship. Yeah. Exactly. Or, yeah, celibacy. Exactly. And so in this case, like, Clement is like, well, why don't you just fuck her right here in front of us all? <laughs> and he's like, No. gonna fuck her on the balcony the balcony will do just fine and that's what we call not all or nothing (laughs) (laughs) that's a boundary (laughs) fucking outside of the party where everybody can hear you but not see you yeah um i want to talk about one more thing that was really titillating for me even though it didn't even happen which is at some point when they're fucking he's like She's like, tell me how you're going to punish me for, you know, whatever. Yes. And he's like, immediately, he's like, you have to go to dinner with no clothes on. And you know, he just whips that out so yeah. fast. Which is you know he's been thinking about it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it, she's like, oh, so scandalous, so humiliating. And they would just bend me over right on the dining table. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. But it's still fun that they, I just really inspired me in general to like just think of fun, punishing fantasies that you can say out loud to your For sure. Yeah. It was very like inspiring and titillating of a book for sure. Like more so than other books I've read, which didn't give me new ideas. (laughs) Yeah. I think this is also, I'm really excited about this book because not only is it our first period book, but I hate calling it a period book. It's like Regency. (laughs) (laughs) Someday we'll do a book that's just about period sex. (laughs) (laughs) It could be good. It could be. Well, have you ever... Um, seen Ali Wong special where she talks about yeah yeah 
She's, <laughs> she talks about a guy who's like, let's make a mess, Allie. She's like, it's the hottest thing I've ever heard. Anyway, you She's should watch so Ali Wong. <laughs> if yeah. you like this podcast, you will like Ali Wong much more she's probably because she's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, um, we have not done like a Regency book before, but we also really haven't explored kink in almost any way. And I feel like this is a I really know. fun one to start with because it's not like full on BDSM, but it's, it's still a very like nice little it almost feels like a beginner's course to me. It feels like a great little first discussion because, especially because it goes into the boundary setting so much. Totally, totally. Well, maybe someday we'll do the rigged book because that also is like really good oh, about. Oh, yeah, by Vanessa boundaries. North. That's yeah. a really good novella, too. Yeah, yeah. I really liked that. Yeah. Let's but, do it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> The one last thing that I feel like I want to just mention is that I really wish that I could see all of the dresses that she wore because they talk about I them know. so much. She talks about her wardrobe a lot and like yeah. how much she loves it. Yeah. And um, we were talking about this in the last recording that we can't <laughs> air because it got messed up, but uh, that it had like real harlot vibes, like harlots yes. on blue. I just started re-watching that. Well, not even re-watching. I realized I've only ever watched the first season. Me too. So I started the second season, and there are three. And Liv Tyler is in the second season, so I'm stoked about that, too. Heck yes. But it's amazing. I absolutely love it. And it has that subplot about, like, there's one girl who doesn't really want to be a harlot but then this other woman who does bdsm and domination she like teaches the girl i don't even know what how to like tame a man i'm not sure (laughs) but it seems great and then she gets like a ton of confidence so it's dope bdsm is dope it teaches you confidence and boundaries yep definitely um I the part that I told you this last time too, but the part that I remember the most from I mean I remember a lot of parts from Harlots, but one part I remember is when this one girl was just getting fucked so much that she just couldn't like lube up anymore and so someone was like, just use butter. Yeah. And then later <laughs> this guy is going down on her and he's like, You taste like a buttered biscuit. Oh my She's god. Like, I honestly wish that lube did taste like something better than strawberry or lube you know yeah. like butter sounds actually kind of nice to me but I don't think that you should use butter as lube no I definitely don't think you should personally I always have to be strategic about doing the oral sex before the lube comes into play exactly so it's tough but you know you make it work you gotta do what you gotta do. I'm anyway, happy write that in. Exists. Write in if you know of like a great tasting lube. Yeah, for real. That would that be doesn't have shook, like glycerin or anything in it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Do, yeah. They should not. That's bad for your. I mean, ecosystem. they shouldn't. But I feel like ninety percent of the shit that you buy at the store is 
bad for you. Has like glycerin and all of these things that like cause yeast infections. Ooh, okay. It's bad. Well, <laughs> let us know if there's some great flavored, water based, non sugary, good for your ecosystem lube. Totes. Or if you are like a chemistry slash baking genius, this is a good project for you. <laughs> I will let not test know. it, but you let us know when it's been thoroughly tested. <laughs> Anything um, you want? I also wanted to say that this author, Rose Lerner, has a new book out that is a lesbian romance based on Jane Eyre. That's what I said, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that sounds great to me. And I'm always looking yes. for lesbian romances because they are really hard to find in my experience. So I bought that one and I'm really excited to read it. You bought it already? Oh, so good. All right. I'm excited too. I'm like I imagine. On to the next thing. <laughs> oh, wow. It's a real book or is it a novella? I don't even know, actually. I just bought it. Like, I just blind bought it. (laughs) Well, I'm assuming that it's not as long as Jane Eyre. (laughs) I'm assuming that as well. But if it's great and it's as long as Jane Eyre, then, like, more power to her. Agreed. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Good plug. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about with All or Nothing? I don't think so. Well... Folks, continue to follow us on the social medias that Claire uh, graciously be in the show notes. does the stuff, and she does a great job. I've gotten some, oh, I have to tell you later, but lots of good compliments about, nice. about the, unfortunately not specific ones, but still really great compliments about all of your social media action, and yeah, all of that stuff is in the show notes, but folks... Go forth and masturbate. Go frig yourself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>